go great. There's nothing small about our God. There's nothing status quo about God. Nothing really small, partial, halfway. So he calls us to greatness. He doesn't call us to be nominal Christians. He doesn't call us to be mediocre believers. He doesn't call us to be status quo church people. He calls us to greatness. And greatness begins by following the greatest. Greatness begins by following Jesus. We're talking about two sayings of Jesus throughout this new series that's starting today, this Go Great series. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And as we talk about these, we're going to discover what it means to follow Jesus. I want to call your attention to our text this morning, which is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It is the Great Commission. Many of you are familiar with it, but, but I want you to hear it uh, with fresh ears and a fresh uh, uh, openness to God's Spirit. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Many of you have heard this before, I'm sure. Interestingly, Barna uh, published a study last year saying that 51% of people who go to church do not know what the Great Commission is, 51%. Uh, I think there's a, a pie chart there. 25% says, yes, we've heard of the Great Commission, but we can't really tell you what it is. And only 17% of people who go to church say, yeah, we know what the Great Commission is. I don't know where you find yourself today, what part of that pie chart you're in, but I hope that today you will hear what God has to say to you because I believe God has a word, a fresh word for you from the scriptures. Today, I'm asking you to consider God's invitation to you to follow him. God is calling you to be his disciple. And I want to ask you, how are you part of the Great Commission? How are you following Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus at all? See, before making disciples, we must be disciples. Before we can answer the call to make disciples of all nations, we, we must answer the call to be his disciples. And I want to ask you today, I want to start with something very basic, very foundational. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following him? One of the most striking characteristics of the Great Commission for me, it is how comprehensive it is. There is absoluteness to the words of Jesus here. It is all-encompassing. It is a comprehensive commission. Notice how many times the word all or everything is found in this couple of verses. And if you're following uh, on the back of your bulletins, you can note this. First of all, in verse 18, it says, all authority. That's pretty comprehensive. In verse 19, it says, all nations. That's pretty inclusive. In verse 20, it says, teach him to obey everything. And then at the end of the Great Commission, in verse 20 also says, I am with you always. So it is a comprehensive commission. We're going to unpack that today a little bit. The first thing I want to talk about is this absolute authority, this cosmic authority of Jesus Christ. After Jesus dies on the cross and he's risen from the dead, the Father bestows on him all power and all authority 
over heaven and earth. That is the, the entire created order, the entire universe, the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, the Jesus who walked the streets of Nazareth, the Jesus who hung on the cross of Calvary, the Jesus who rose from the grave is Lord of heaven and earth. All power and all authority belong to him. He is the sovereign Lord. The one who calls you to follow him is the king of the universe. No one else, no one less than that. He has all the authority and all the power in heaven and on earth. And that means at least two things for you. It, it ought to mean a lot of things, but I'm just going to mention quickly two things. One is that you must take him seriously. This is no mid-level manager talking to you. This is not an errand boy coming to you. This is the king of the universe calling you to follow him. And you must pay attention. You cannot dismiss him easily. You know, if, if one of your workmates suggests that you should do something, you may or may not do it. But if the boss tells you, it changes, doesn't it? it, it if, if the children are playing and one of their playmates tells another child to do that, the child may say, you're not the boss of me. Now, if mama says it, it changes. There, there's something about authority that ought to change the way we listen to the words that someone has to give to us. And the second thing that it ought to mean for us is that we can rest in him securely. If the king of the universe asks you to do something, it's because he has the power to make sure you succeed. If the Lord of the universe who has all power and all authority is calling you to be a follower, to be a disciple, is because he's also going to give you everything you need to be successful at it. He's going to give you the power. But pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know my sin. No, but I know that he has all the power and all the authority to deal with your sin. But pastor, you don't know what I struggle with. You don't, you don't know the habits that I fight. You don't know the thoughts that I fight. No, I don't know, but I know that he has all the power and all the authority to give you victory. But pastor, you don't know the doubts that I have. You don't know the voices that speak to my voice that discourage me. No, I don't know your voices, but I know that he has all the power and all the authority to speak into your life and you can rest securely in him. Will you follow him? Will you follow Jesus? Will you answer his call? to be his disciple. The second thing we, we find here is, is complete devotion. He has cosmic authority, but he asks for complete devotion. You, you notice here that Jesus is looking for disciples. He's not looking just for converts. He's not looking just for church attendees. He's not looking for nominal Christians. He wants fully devoted followers. The, the, the one direct command, there's a lot of verbs in the Great Commission. There's go and there's make and there's baptize and there's teach. But, but the one directive, the central directive of the Great Commission is this one. Make disciples. Everything else supports that statement. Notice that Jesus did not say here, make people get saved. That's not what he said. Jesus didn't say, Make good church members. Jesus didn't say, make good Baptists out of people. That's not what he said. He said, make good Bible students so that they can know all the answers to the game Bible trivia when they play. 
No, that's not what he said. He said, make disciples. A disciple is a learner, but, but not a learner in the way that you and I understand learning in modern times. Usually when you and I are talking about learning and about being a student, we're, we, we think of classrooms and we think of textbooks and we think of tests. We think about people accumulating knowledge, content and information so that uh, when the test comes, you can, you can tell the test everything you know and then forget about it. That's how students prepare for tests. They cram so they can pass the exam and then you can ask them a semester later what they remember they don't remember anything. That's not the kind of learning that a disciple does. A, a, a disciple is a learner because he follows his master. You see, it's about a personal relationship with the teacher. It, it, it is not book to brain, but it is life to life. Jesus wants disciples who are completely devoted to him. Is that how you're following Jesus? Is that how you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be fully devoted to him. Let me, let me mention four things that are part of this complete devotion. The first one is absolute love. Complete devotion requires absolute love. That's why the great commandment and the great commission must be integrated. I'll read again the great commandment that was quoted in, in the video. It's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 uh, and uh, 31. And it reads like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If you can't remember any of the commandments, remember these two. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. It's an all comprehensive commission and an all comprehensive commandment. To love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. And our discipleship, our following Jesus, should be driven by love. Your answer to God's call ought to be driven by love because, because God loves you, because it's love that rescued you, it's love that found you where you were and lifted you up. And when we love God with all our being, we will be fully devoted to him. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll be able to follow him well. A few weeks ago, my wife and I had planned a trip to the Dallas-Fort Worth area on the weekend, and I had a meeting to attend. It was a very important meeting. It was important that I be there, so I made all the arrangements, the, the lodging and the travel arrangements, and, and my wife said, I'll ride along with you so that I can spend some time with my parents. Uh, my wife's parents live in Fort Worth, and, and we agreed, and, and we planned, and, and uh, we, we had big plans for that weekend. And as we were driving up to, to Dallas, we stopped in Austin, to visit our son who goes to college there. And we found that he hadn't been eating for a couple of days because his cheeks were swollen uh, for, because of his wisdom teeth. And he was in pain, he couldn't hardly speak. He was just uh, drinking smoothies and, and uh, we hurt for him. And we said, well, you really need to get in to, to see a dentist. And he said, well, uh, I have an appointment next week. And we said, you're not going to make it to next week. You, you, you need to get in sooner. And he said, okay, I, I will try to do that. And we went on uh, th that night. We went on to our, our, our destination in Dallas. We were in touch with him. And he called us and he said, I got an appointment at 730 
before my class. He still wanted to make it to class. And, uh, and, uh, and I said, whatever they tell you, you tell us because whatever happens, we want to be there. And so 7.30, he went to the doctor and then uh, he called me about 7.40, 7.50. And he said, dad, they're saying they need to do emergency surgery. And, uh, and, and I'm in Dallas. I'm about to go into a breakfast meeting. People are expecting me to be there. My wife has big plans with, uh, with, with my mother-in-law, but I drop what I'm doing. I grab my stuff and I tell my wife, I'm picking you up. We're going to Austin. And I said, Stephen, tell the doctor we'll be there three and a half hours. And I went as fast as the speed limit would let me, sometimes a little faster. <laughs> Without breakfast, I got there and the first thing the doctor said or the doctor's office said to us, we, we're ready to do surgery on your son. He, he has an ulcer, he's in a lot of pain. We need to do that fast, but we need payment first. And so we wrote the check and we did all that. You know why? Because we love him. Amen. See, when you love somebody, you'll drop everything to serve them and to be with them. When, when we love Jesus, We'll do the same. Jesus makes it clear that following him is not a sideshow. Following him is not anything superficial. It's not a hobby. It takes everything. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 26. These are hard words. These are difficult words to hear. Luke 12, 26. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, follow me cannot be my disciple. And then look at verse 33. It says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. These are strong words of Jesus. And they're often misunderstood. But, but if we see them as some kind of command or demand, it would be almost impossible to follow them. But if we understand that when you love God above all things, then everything else will look small. That, that when your love for God is the kind of love that he requires, then all other loyalties will pale in comparison. That the people you love the most in your life, it won't, it won't even compare to the way that you love God. You see, any attempt to do discipleship without love will result in legalism. If you try to follow Jesus, if you try to follow what he's calling you to do in your life without loving him with everything you've got, you'll just be a religious person. But you won't be a faithful disciple. So my question to you is, do you love God? Do you have absolute love for the Lord? Are you being a disciple who loves Jesus above everyone and everything else? Love is a powerful force. When you experience the love of God, it will transform you. You will experience forgiveness of your sins. You'll experience the power to be the person that you couldn't be on your own. Love will lift you up to live in, in higher levels that you've never uh, lived before. Love, the love of God. You said, but I don't know how to love God that way. Well, just let him love you and let him love himself through you. He will increase the love that you have for him as you open your heart to him. Secondly, this complete devotion of a disciple also reminds us that God's love is all-inclusive. It's an all-inclusive reach. 
Jesus demands it all from his followers because he's all in about our redemption. He, he desires that absolutely all people would be part of his redemptive plan. Jesus told his disciples, make disciples of all nations. Now, you've heard that multiple times and you think it's routine. You might have it memorized. But, but don't lose sight of the fact of how radical this sounded to the disciples. Because see, the disciples were Jews. And, and, and they were so happy that they had found the Messiah, the fulfillment of Israel's promises. And, and Jesus had poured into their lives and, 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 and they had seen him minister. They saw him die. And then now they saw him as a resurrected Lord and they were saying, okay, what's next? And Jesus tells his Jewish boys, here's what's next. Make disciples of all nations. And I think they must have looked at each other and say, what? I thought we were the chosen people of God. I thought all of the other nations were outside of the covenant. I thought all of the Gentiles were, were not part of God's plan, but he's saying make disciples of all nations. It was a radical statement because there's a human tendency for us to be exclusive. There's something in our, in our hearts that uh, makes us think that we're insiders and we want to keep others as outsiders. We want to leave them out because of their religion or their race or their background or their lifestyle. My wife and I were watching a movie this week that dealt with discrimination against black people. In the middle of a the movie, there's an Italian guy who also experiences discrimination. And after we watched the movie, my wife and I were talking about, well, why, why was there discrimination against Italians? She goes, I know there's been discrimination against Jews and against blacks. And, and, and you know, there's a history of discrimination against Italians. Said, yeah, and Irish and Chinese and Japanese and Native Americans and Muslims and Catholics. Yes, because our hearts are so sinful that, that we want to exclude people. It is our sinful heart that, that makes people feel like they're outside of God's plan, but it goes against the grain of God's heart. Jesus was very clear when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Panta, ta, ethne is the Greek. It means every single people group on the face of the earth. Jesus didn't say make disciples among some of the people groups. Jesus didn't say, try to get as many people groups as you can inside the kingdom. He said, all nations, and all means all. The reach of the gospel is all-inclusive. You and I don't get to pick and choose who gets in and who stays out. God wants a global movement that represents every people group. God wants us to know that from his perspective, people on the face of the earth are only divided into two groups. There's a group of those who are lost sinners, and there's a group of those who are forgiven sinners. And the forgiven sinners are supposed to love the lost sinners. That's the way it works. That's good news for you and me because it means that you and I are included. It, it means that, that I'm part of it. Otherwise, I would have been left out. The invitation includes us. We're, we're invited to be disciples of the master and the Lord of the universe. We were talking uh, this week in, in, in our group, in, in, in two of the groups that I got to facilitate this week, we were talking about the parable of the great banquet. And, and if you're familiar with that, it's about a man who, who is doing a banquet and he invites people to be a part of it. And when everything is ready, he tells the people to come and they give excuses. 
and they don't come and everything's ready. So he tells his servant, go out into the streets and the alleys and, and invite the poor and the lame and the, and, and the people who are downtrodden to come in. And he says, we've already done that, but there's still tables that are empty. There's still room in the banquet. There are still a lot of fajitas left over. And he said, well, then go out of town, go into the highways and byways and, and compel people to come in until my banquet hall is full. And when we were at the end of our discussion, I, I asked, I said, so what does that mean for you? How do you apply this truth of the scriptures to yourself? And, and in both occasions that we had discussion, in both different groups, someone said, I want to be the servant that goes out into the streets and the alleys and the highways and tells people the master has invited you to his banquet. You might, you might feel left out. You might be marginalized. But I want you to know you're included in the invitation. Third, we, we see here that having complete devotion means abiding immersion. The first step after deciding to follow Jesus is believer's baptism, is, is to follow the Lord in baptism. To be baptized before you believe is premature. To wait too long to be baptized after you believe is overdue. See, baptism is not a degree of spirituality, but it is a step of full commitment to Jesus Christ. Full immersion baptism speaks to the full commitment of discipleship. Full immersion baptism is a symbol of the comprehensiveness of discipleship. Jesus is talking here about little water baptism. He's saying that those who follow him should get baptized in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is literal, but it points to a bigger spiritual reality. And that is that our lives ought to be immersed in the Trinity. That is what transforms us. That is what changes us. That's what empowers us. To be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit means to be immersed, to be soaked in who he is and what he's about, what he loves, in his holiness and his power and his authority. To be immersed into the Godhead. There's a tool that we've shared with you before called Up, In, and Out. And we understand that to be followers of Jesus is to imitate him. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that there were three dimensions in his life. There was an up dimension. It was his communion with the Father. He, he did that on a daily basis. There's an in dimension where he poured into his disciples, his inner circle. And then there's an out dimension where he ministered to a broken world. But I want you to know that Jesus never engaged in the in or in the out unless he had engaged in the up. He spent time alone with the Father on a daily basis before the sun even rose. He spent 40 days in the wilderness before his ministry in the up dimension because he would empower his in and out dimensions. Water baptism comes before any other step in discipleship. An immersion in the presence of God each day comes before any obedience to discipleship. We can't make disciples, we can't be obedient, we can't go out into the broken world unless we're empowered by his presence. And I know that many of you know what that's like. We asked three of our young people how they follow Jesus and what it means to spend time in his presence. And I want you to hear their testimonies in this video. Hello, my name is Josue and I was saved here at Calvary. I was around seven years old. It was a Sunday morning and they did the calling and I felt like I was ready. And I was like, mom, can I go? And she's like, if you're ready. And I was like, okay. 
Hi, my name is Eli Garza. Uh, I actually was saved at a camp at Zephyr when I was a teenager in high school as a sophomore. And there is a camp called Weekend of Champions, and there they had an altar call, and that's where I felt the Lord really pushing me, and that's where I surrendered my life to Christ. I'm Josh. I was saved at First Baptist McCallum around the age of eight. It was during an altar call uh, one Sunday morning, and I was also baptized there shortly after being saved. I started coming to Calvary seventh grade. Marcus actually used to be my piano teacher, and that's how I got connected to Calvary. So once he became the youth pastor, I followed shortly after. I tried to do every day, and I, I laid out a plan to start off from Genesis to you know to read the whole Bible. But there's always obstacles that go in the way, so sometimes it ends up like moving on to like next day, next day. But when I get to spend time with God, I lock myself in my room. I like have some Christian music playing in the back, and, and then once I start praying, I just like uh, turn it off. And because when I'm alone with God, I feel just free, and I know He knows what's going on in my life, but just me being able to confess, you know, and just being to unfold, you know, and it helps a lot. So I try to do my best to spend time with the Lord every single day. The time of the day varies. Um, I really do believe He speaks to me in the afternoon. I try and spend time with God every day. Usually that falls in the evening when I'm getting ready to end my day with work and whatever else I got going on. I just take time to sit in my room and take some time to read the Word and be in prayer with God. Well, it really impacts me in, like I said, my daily life. And one of the ways is the way I view things, um, as in my day, the way people in this world views things, I, I see them differently because that's the way I've learned from God. And the point of views that the world has made on love and on so many topics, and that shows me how to show them as well. Spending time with the Lord makes a huge difference whenever I'm able to do that because it allows me to think about it more often. And as I think about the Lord more often, I think about His goodness, which then leads me to repentance, which then leads me to a better walk, uh, whether it's a good or bad week or day that I'm having, it allows me to understand that it's not in my hands, and that the reason why we have a relationship, relationship with Him is to bring Him glory, and one of the best ways we can bring Him glory is to enjoy Him in every aspect and moment of life, whether it's good or bad. Spending time with God makes the world of a difference. I can think back to one day where I just woke up thinking, you know what, I'm going to start off my day being in the Word. And that whole day, my mind was completely focused on God. I was focused on glorifying Him. I was driven to get things done in the day, so it affected every aspect of my day. And it just furthered my calling and my purpose here to, to serve Him. And that's, that's what it does when I spend time in my Word and I spend time with God. What a great privilege it is to be immersed in the presence of God on a daily basis. When, when you follow Jesus, you, you want to follow him in believer's baptism. That's a one-time act. But to be baptized into his presence, it's an everyday thing. And fourthly, uh, we want to follow him with abandoned obedience. Jesus doesn't call for partial obedience. He doesn't call for selective obedience. He calls for full and complete obedience. Listen, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
See, discipleship is not about knowing a lot. It is about obeying everything. Discipleship is not about information. It's about transformation. Discipleship is not about head knowledge of the Bible. It is about the application of the scriptures to your life. You can be in church all your life and go to all the Bible studies and know all the right answers, but if you're not obeying what Jesus commanded, you're not being a faithful disciple. That's what he wants from your life. Jesus does not want consumers of spiritual goods. He invites us to be consumed by the goodness of the Holy Spirit. Will you follow him with abandoned obedience? Will you follow him? Are you following him that way? See, the, the good news here in the Great Commission is his continual presence. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It means we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to figure it out on our own. It means the one who calls us goes with us. It means that the one who commands us is the one who empowers us. It means that when the world doesn't make sense, when the world is crazy, he is with us. It means that when other people disappoint you, he is with us. It means that when other people betray you, he is with us. It means that when you don't have the courage, when you don't have the strength, when you don't have the motivation to do what God has called you to do, he is with us. He is with us when everything is going well. He is with us when everything seems to be broken. I am with you always until the end of the age. Will you follow the kind of God that promises his continual presence? Bow your head with me. Father, I thank you for your call in our lives. It's not a call to be taken lightly. You call us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, disciples who love you, who are baptized and immersed in you. And God, there may be people here this morning who have never, ever, ever made that decision to follow you. They've been in church for a long time. They've read the Bible, they've heard about you, but they've never given their hearts to you. They've never received the gift of forgiveness that Jesus offers on the cross and the power of the resurrection in their lives. And today, your Holy Spirit is tugging and convicting and calling on their heart. And I pray today, God, that, that they would answer with surrender, that they would trust you that would make you Savior and Lord, and that will embark in a great adventure following you. Will you do that, Holy Spirit, right now? Father, there may be people here who, who have decided to follow you, but in the course of life have gotten distracted or gone astray, and today it's a reminder to return to pick up the pace, to run with endurance and gusto the race that is set before us. Bring back those who, who have settled for status quo, who have settled for mediocrity. Bring them back right now, God. Help them to be full, devoted, loving disciples. Father, if there's anything else that you need to do here, to heal, to comfort, to encourage, to save, to redeem, to convict. Father, do it. We're here to receive from you. 
I'm going to ask you to stand with us as we sing. As we sing, I want to encourage you to, to answer God's call in your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus and today you're saying, I want to be a follower. I understand what it means now. And I'm, not, I'm going to do it not in my strength, but by faith in the grace of God. That you come, you come and kneel down here at the front and you pray and you say, God, here's my life. I surrender to you. Maybe you want to follow him in believer's baptism or there's something else that God needs to do in your life. You come. Maybe you need somebody to pray for you. We'd love to pray over you, whatever you're struggling with. We'll have pastors and deacons that will be ready to minister to you. As the spirit moves, you come. We'll sing.